0: Pastor Xavier Reese discovering
1: all there is at the end of ourselves. Paul's sin nature overcame him. He cried out again, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Every one of us should come to that point. See, as long as you keep trying, you're saying to God, I think there is something good in me. I know it is. I just got to dig deep. But the deeper you dig, the less you find. The only power that can overcome sin nature is the Spirit of God.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In the days of Noah, there was only one safe place to be, in the ark. God's judgment came down on everyone who was not in the ark. Today, Jesus Christ is our ark of safety. Those who are positioned in Him are safe and secure and are not in danger of the judgment of God. As Pastor Xavier reaches chapter 8 in our Simple Truth study series of the Book of Romans, the forecast calls for not one drop of condemnation for those that are in Christ. Let's listen.
1: We have all heard at one time or another a preacher and teacher present their proposition or their text at their opening sermon, but that's the last we heard of it. The text was nothing but a pretext to launch into what they wanted to say. Paul the Apostle has not been like that. He has given this propositional statement in the beginning, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, which is the heart of the epistle of the Romans, and he has stuck to it. He said, I'm not, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. He has stuck to it. From then on, he has expounded it over and over and over again from different angles. How? You can be saved. The only way you can be saved now the word power in that verse is dunamis it means strength ability inherent power residing in a thing or by virtue of its nature or with a person or thing exerted and put it forth So it's something that has the ability to do what it says it's going to do. The word is used for various things within the scriptures, for miracles, moral power, for excellence of soul, for influence of belonging only to riches and wealth, power, resources arising in numbers, and for power consisting in in an army, forces, hosts, angelic. So the context will tell you how it's used. But the word is Used to identify the power of God here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. That's his opening statement. The miraculous miracle, the power of God to change your life and mine from an ain't to a saint, from a sinner to someone that can please God, to a rebel to someone who can submit. That takes divine power. Now, Paul has clearly taught and demonstrated step-by-step step that God is sufficient to initiate, bring the pass, and work out salvation in a person's life with the power of the gospel apart from any other human ability or system of learning. In the seventh chapter, we saw a life of defeat as Paul proclaimed his own experience as a Christian, attempting to live the life of the Spirit in the energy of the flesh. Which resulted in a cry of despair, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? In chapter seven, verse twenty-four, Paul was brought to the point of despair, seeing there was nothing good in him, but only the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit of God. That's the way he was going to live victoriously in the Spirit. And so, what we have in chapter eight is the contrast to a Christian's defeated life, the life of victory over sin nature through the power. Of the Holy Spirit. Now, as you know, Paul has already pointed out that, you know, he's not talking about sinless perfection. He's not talking about about uh, not being able to fail. For we have sin nature the day we die. But he's talking about that now as Christians, we can hit the mark. We can please God. The habitual habit of our life is pleasing and walking with God. Though there may be failure, then we have an advocate for defense in 1 John 2 1, but we do not practice sin the way we used to. Now, the key being that believers, again, have the new nature to live out this. New life through the power of the Spirit of God. And so, chapter 8 is is the climax to the doctrinal section from chapter 1 to chapter 8. In chapter 8, is this the assurance of the believer's salvation. Assurance, let's use the biblical word. I reject the word security. It's the assurance of the believer's salvation. You can know if you're saved, you can know if you're pleasing God. You can know of your trust in your energies and abilities or the power of the Spirit of God to live the life out. And so, what I want to do is look at chapter 8 here, verse 1 through 11, and look at the life of the Spirit, which is laid out for us in three movements. Let me read. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free, or he says me free, from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through the spirit who dwells in you. The spirit life is laid out for us in three movements. First, the explanation of the spirit life, verse 1 through 4. Secondly, you have the exaltation of the spirit life, verse 5 through 8. And then you have the appropriation of the spirit life, 9 through 11. Explanation, exaltation, and the appropriation. Let's begin here. Look at verse 1 through 4, the explanation of the spirit life. Verse 1, the apostle Paul declared the proclamation of acquittal. Therefore now, no condemnation is those who are in Christ either, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Greek text begins with the negative. Literally, no condemnation is there. The word condemnation means an adverse or damnatory sentence. Someone that deserves to be not only accused and proven guilty, but having been proven guilty, sentenced for their crime. Being at the beginning of the sentence, it makes it emphatic, a double negative. No way, no how. There's no condemnation. All the sins that a person has committed against God have been forgiven. As they've trusted the provisions the Father has provided in Jesus Christ, justified before God. That's his proclamation, as we saw Romans 1, 16 and 17. Now the judgment of sin on Christ has justified me before God by faith, resulting in peace with God. Romans 5 1. I'm no longer against God. I'm no longer at war. We'll see this. Now, the word therefore means so then, bringing not just chapter 7 to a conclusion, the therefore always looks back, but it's not just to chapter 7, but to the entire section of chapters 1 all the way to chapter 7. Paul showed the entire world guilty before God, the first three chapters. Chapter 1, you have the perversity and the depravity of man. Chapter 2, you have the good, moral, religious, and the pagan there. Chapter 3, the whole world's guilty before God. Chapter 4, Abraham, the golden calf, is melted down. He came by faith, not by his own things. Chapter 5, you're justified. The end of 4 into 5, justified. Chapter 5, he shows the two Adams. The first Adam who made God us in trouble. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, who got us out of trouble. Chapter 6, he says, now your arms, your hands, your eyes, the weapons for righteousness or destruction. You get to choose now, because now you're saved. You can't say, I cannot. All you can say is, I will not. Chapter 7, he's trying to do it in his own energy. All right, you man that I am. Chapter 8, he realizes, I can only do it in the spirit. Now, notice the condition is made very clear to those in Christ. Underline that. The position implies salvation from the wrath of God, Romans 1.18. I'm not under God's wrath anymore. It fell on His Son for me. The position implies identity, united with Christ in His death, as Romans 6.4 said, and in newness of life. The position implies dependency, to not be in bondage, to sin nature again, to live in the Spirit. The remainder of the sentence is not found in some of the manuscripts, so some say not in the original matter of debate, but it is found in verse four, where he says there, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And that's the whole gist of it here. Now look at verse two, the apostle Paul declared the liberation from sin nature for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me, he makes it very personal, free from the law of sin and death. The apostle has just given his autobiographical experience of his attempting to obey the law by his own abilities and cries out in utter defeat. Paul's sin nature overcame him. He cried out again, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Every one of us should come to that point. When you get tired of being in the mud hole, then you'll crawl out of it. Okay? That's important. When you, See, as long as you keep trying... You're saying to God, I think there is something good in me. I know it is. I just got to dig deep. But the deeper you dig, the less you find. It's like these people for evolution. They're looking for the missing link. What link? There's God and animals. Nothing in between. The only thing missing is the link in your brain. Notice the apostle now has come to understand that the only power that can overcome his sin nature is the Spirit of God. This is the connection between the end of seven and eight. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made him free from the law of sin and death. Sin nature is ever-present until we go home to the Lord. The word law is used here, notice, as the principle of the Spirit of life in Christ. The power is not automatic, but a purposeful decision by the believer to depend on Jesus Christ, as Romans 6 11 through 13, 7 24 through 25 says, it doesn't happen by accident, it doesn't happen by osmosis. It's a purposeful, diligent decision that I make every day to walk in the Spirit. The power reveals whose slave I am. Romans 6 16. The power of the Spirit of life is in Christ Jesus, no one else. Romans seven twenty five. The power is available only in Christ. And the power is by the person of the Holy Spirit, which appears 21 times in chapter 8. Only 1 in 7 and 20 sometimes the personal pronoun I. What a contrast. Now look at 3. The Apostle Paul declared the limitation upon the law. He's explaining the life of the Spirit. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness. Underline that. Likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin to condemn sin in the flesh. In other words, the law being holy and the commandment just and good, as we've seen, demanded perfect obedience, right? The law commanded obedience, but it could not empower you to obey. Romans 3, 10, 7, 10 through 12, and other passages. So the law can say, don't go over 65, but it can't help you not to go over 65. In fact, it'll provoke you to go over 65. Remember the sign, wet paint. Don't touch You touch it. Therefore, the law was incapable by virtue of the inability of our sin nature to keep the standards of the law. The law was handicapped. You may have a car brand new. You stick your head in, oh, it smells new leather. Mmm, good. Beautiful paint job. Great, man, big old engine. And you say, well, let's, get, let's take a ride. I don't have no gas. The car has the potential, but it's handicapped because I have no gas. The law has great potential. It's holy, just, and good, but it's handicapped by my sinfulness. Notice still in three, God, on on account of sin, condemns sin in the flesh, sin nature, and the products of sin nature, which is sin. The root, the sin nature is the root. Sins and deeds and acts and words and thoughts are all the fruit. The judgment of sin and for the sins of the world fell on the person of Jesus Christ as he was a propitiation for our sins. Paul told us that in Romans 3.25, 1 John 2.2, 2, 1 John 4.10. That word propitiation means that which satisfied the demands of God for the payment of sin on the cross. You ready for it? The law says man is guilty. The penalty, death. Jesus died on the cross. Father, I commit my spirit to you. And he died. It was a real payment made, ladies and gentlemen. God didn't wink at our sin. It's by grace, but it's not cheap. Jesus was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It can't be any clearer than that. What an incredible work of love. Notice the judgment that fell on Jesus, broke the power of sin nature, and made it inoperative by his death. Sin nature entered the world through one man, Adam, Romans 5, 12. Sin nature does not have to be yielded to if we are in the last Adam, Romans 6, 1, 6, 7, and 14. And sins that result from the root of sin nature also can be withstood if you're justified in Christ Jesus, Romans 6, 15 through 16. You get to choose. You and I now have the ability to continue to live the way we did or not. It is a choice. You cannot say, I cannot say, I cannot help myself. The better thing to do is a wretched man that I am who, and then move into the life of the Spirit. You understand? How do I get there? Same way you got saved, by grace through faith. You understand? Look at verse 4. The Apostle Paul declared the satisfaction to the law, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit, underlying in us. The purpose of God in sending his son was to justify and sanctify us in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. The first Christians you know were Jews, much like Paul. All they had was the Old Testament, they didn't have a New Testament. And so being Jews, all they know is the law. So they're trying to fulfill the life of Christ now through obeying the law, through their own abilities. Well, they would end up the same way Paul did. And if the Gentiles try to do so because they would proselyte in the same thing, right? They needed to walk, the word is peripatale, one's behavior, to order one's behavior or conduct according to the Spirit. Jesus said this in Matthew 5:17. Do not think that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. Jesus kept the law perfectly. In fact, Paul will tell us later on in Romans. You remember Peter and James when they went to the first church council, and Paul was there in Barnabas also in Acts 15.10? Listen to Peter. Peter in the first church council said, Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, Which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. In other words, the law did not enable them to keep it. No Jew could say, I've kept it. If they did, they were deceived. Paul was deceived. Philippians says, I'm blameless in the law. (laughs) That's before he's a Christian. After being a Christian, he says, I'm guilty. The righteousness is imputed to us by God through faith in the person of Jesus Christ for justification. He made this very clear. In the earlier chapters, chapter 3, verse 22, 4, 23 to 25. And so Paul declares as he gets to chapter 10, verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law. He fulfilled the law. The law spoke of him. He kept it perfectly. Now he is in us. The evidence is by not walking according to the flesh. Sin nature but rather according to the Spirit. And the tense here is the present continuous action of ordering one's behavior after the power of the Spirit. Having crucified the old man at repentance in Romans 6.6, 6, reckoning the old man dead daily to not yield to the sin nature, Romans 6.11, presenting our members as instrument of righteousness in Romans 6.13. Constantly crying out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver from this body of death in Romans 7 24. He's taken us step by step to demonstrate the explanation of what he's done to bring us into the life of the Spirit. The believer must learn to distinguish between condemnation and conviction. Conviction is when you are in sin and the Holy Spirit is telling you, What are you doing there? Get out of there. It's convicting you of doing, thinking, or being involved in something that you know as a Christian is clearly a violation of God's word. Conviction. He wants you to confess and repent. Condemnation is you allowing Satan, others, or yourself to put a big guilt trip on you and to condemn you over sins that you have confessed to Christ and repented from and abandoned them. So you don't allow anybody to rub your nose in sins that have been forgiven. Okay? That's condemnation. But if he's convicting you of something you're in, get out of there. That's conviction. Your sins are buried in the deepest ocean. Micah seven nineteen. Your sins have been passed as far as east as the west. Psalm 103, 12. Your sins... He remembers no more. Amazing. Jeremiah 31, 34. You want to explain to me how God who knows everything can forget your sin? (laughs) And he does. The place of assurance is abiding in Christ Jesus, having freed us from the law of sin and death. Giving us a new heart. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. That new covenant. is fulfilled already in us. Future to the Jew a new heart. He's given us a new mind, 1 Corinthians 2.16, Philippians 2.5, the mind of Christ, the mind of a servant. He's given us a new nature, 2 Peter 1.3-4. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of the Son of His love, Colossians 1.13. What an amazing thing. You are a saint or an ain't. You tell me which you are. Jesus said that apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. The focus is abiding. John 15, 5. You cut that branch, it no longer bears fruit. It's severed from the source of life, right? Abide in Christ. The ability of our flesh can do nothing for us to obey rules, laws, except. A complete dependency on the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to what Paul says as he moves on in verse 12 and 13. It's an exhortation of warning. Therefore, conclusion, another conclusion based from the verse 11, 1 through 11. Brethren, Christian, Jew or Gentile, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if we, by the Spirit of God, put to death the deeds of the flesh, We shall live. Death and life here is eternal, not just physical, all right? Verse 14 and 15, Paul points to the evidence of the new position in Christ. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again the fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, literally, Daddy. No Jew in the Old Testament would ever call God his Father. It's always one time and it's to the nation, not to individuals. We have been brought so close to God that now we call him daddy. When some young man calls us that father, you know they're not too close. I was 44 when my dad died. To the very last day he died, I always call him Papi, means daddy. Close, affection. Wow. The explanation of the spirit life is unmistakable.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating our relationship with Christ the Son, has made us children of God the Father. More simple truths drawn from Paul's New Testament epistle to the Romans. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now, there's much more to come next time, but if you'd like a copy of today's study on CD, ask for Life According to the Spirit. It's available for only $4. This CD includes the complete message as it was originally delivered, but didn't have time to include on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is Life According to the Spirit, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard,